why do some uh, marks, like if you check on the register, the status, it'll say it's protected. Why, why does it say protected? Um, does it say with, uh, well, those are marks that are international trademarks that either designate the UK or designate the EU. So they, they're using WIPO's terminology, but it's still classed as being registered. Hey, knock knock, it's me, Shlomo, once again. Um, so what you just heard was a segment, a call with someone at the Intellectual Property Office here in the UK. Um, and later on in this episode, you'll actually hear another segment where I asked another question. And I also asked for permission, of course, as to whether I could record it um, and, and post it. And he was, he was fine with it as well. So, yeah, in this episode, um, we're going to be talking about world of graphene, the graphene industry, from the perspective of trademarks. Now, we're not going to go too much into other aspects of, say, intellectual property, so patents and that kind of thing, because I think that takes a little bit more brain power. And don't count me out just yet, but I'm not quite equipped in that regard. So, yeah, we're going to keep it quite simple and start our discussion on the intellectual property website. Um the IPO website, Intellectual Property Office. And basically, we're going to search for the word or the mark, graphene, just with with with, um, with the goal of just seeing how different companies, different organizations are using that mark um, or that word or whatever it is um, in the UK. So I think that will give us just a rough idea of what people are registering um, the mark in. All right? So hope you enjoy another episode. So the point here is just to get a rough idea of what the graphene industry kind of looks like mm. in terms of what companies are protecting related to graphene. Mm. So we're going to just start with the Intellectual Property Office UK. And then, um, so, the search... Mm-hmm. Just a little bit of tidy up from last time. What do you mean? Because last time I, I described graphene incorrectly. Mm. So I described it as being cube structured. Mm-hmm. It's actually um, uh, hexagon structured, right, right, right. and it has to be. It has to be. It has to be flat because if you if you layer graphene on top of each other, it becomes graphite, mm-hmm. which is why its uses tend to be more on the um, atomic structured level, which is why it's a superconductor. Mm-hmm. It can't be used as a, like a building material in any way yet because right. it can't be structured over layered purpose because that would not make it graphene anymore mm. so just to tidy that up a little bit mm. so okay so uh we're gonna just start with the search word graphene mm. and then yeah we're just gonna search by words just to keep it simple as opposed to images um and then we're gonna just look at similar words yeah so we're on the we're on the the uh trademarking website for the yeah. uk yeah yeah Similar words to graphene, because I think that'll show us more results. If yeah. you just looked at just... What? If you just look at one specific, you'll only get a very yeah. small amount. Exactly. Um, all words, and then we're, just, we're not going to specify any specific class. No. Just so it doesn't restrict it too much, and then we're just going to look at just this, the default year that it has, 1876 till... 2019. Today. Yeah. Right. And then it usually takes just a few seconds to load, because... 
Being that it's a relatively newly discovered material Mm -hmm. and material process, Mm -hmm. you shouldn't have that long to wait for it because it's not data mining in that sense. Yeah, yeah. So we'll wait and see. But for most results, though, it takes it takes a little bit to to Mm -hmm. load it. Um. Hiya, so it's uh, Shlomo here, and I just wanted to jump in real quick just to give a brief rundown on what a trademark actually is. So basically, right, we're going to come back to this later on in the episode, but a trademark is basically a symbol or some kind of word that um, identifies a company, products, or services, right? A company might go out and say, you know what, this word right here, we're going to register it, we're going to tell the government that this word identifies us as a company or it identifies our products or the services that we make right we we produce now there are there's an international classification system known as known as the nice classification system and it has 45 different classes classes 1 to 34 include goods while classes 35 to 45 um are for services mostly so for instance class 25 is for clothing footwear headwear headgear headwear that kind of thing and you're looking at class 41 which is for education um entertainment cultural activities and and that kind of thing so yeah you look at a company like apple and they'd have you know registered trademark for the word apple or the mark apple in hardware software and probably a number of other things as well so yeah just thought i'd give that a quick rundown but we'll get back to this um concept later on in the episode so with, with trademarks i think it, it's country specific yeah so if you want to register something in the uk it's only going to be focused yeah. in the uk and there's a difference also between trademark and patents yes exactly um, with patents, I think I want to leave that to like a different day because I'm not, I'm not as well versed in that area. Mm. Patents an interesting one to look yeah. at. Though. Yeah, with trademarks, it's a bit, I think, a bit more straightforward. But patents are a bit more complex. Mm. So, just scrolling through, what what, do you, what jumps out to you here? Just looking at looking at um, some of these results. So this one. Um, I'm going to list of goods. Yeah, list of goods. That's a lot. That's a lot. That's a lot of. That's a lot of goods. So, let's see. Industrial oils, greases, <laughs> lubricants, pharmaceuticals. Yeah. So these these gonna be these are gonna be um, mechanical trademarks or trademarks for large pharmaceutical or large construction company. Mm. So it's all uses musical mm. instruments, and they're basically doing what seemingly is a blanket trademark yeah. for. Graphene use in any and every format that, that they could possibly think yeah. could be useful Industrial for. Industrial oils, pharmaceuticals, hand tools. Yeah, I mean, as I said lighting. last time, because of the the kind of the relative idea that graphene could be used for almost everything and anything, mm-hmm. it's difficult then for companies to know what specifically to trademark as a product. Mm. So, therefore, these companies are trying to trademark everything as a product that could use graphene in it. Yeah, leather, building materials, furniture, carpet rugs. Yeah, and I mean... Alcoholic beverages. Had had this process been around in the 1940s, they would have done exactly the same thing with what turned into uh, WD-40 or yeah. any of those sorts of products that they thought were useful for any article or any, uh, any imagined process. Yeah. So this company, the, the one we just read out, was like, was like it's a Spanish company. 
Yeah, I'd say so. It's in Spain. So, but I mean, that doesn't necessarily mean it's a Spanish company. It's just got its. It's yeah. been registered over here with that holder's name as a Spanish individual. Right, right, right. But um, you might find he happens to just be the the main individual for that company mm. in mm. this country. Mm. That one was filed in what twenty twenty twelve. Yeah. So, Shlomo here. Um, just to jump in quickly, the previous example we just looked at was just for the mark graphene. And that was interesting because it had several different um, classes and a lot of different terms within each of those classes. Um, now, the next one that we're going to look at is for E-graphene. So, E-graphene. E-graphene. You might find a lot of these also are prospective trademarks in that they are doing it just on the idea that it could do something rather than they actually have something. Mm -hmm. so, I think with trademarks as well, yeah. you have a certain amount of time to actually start using the mark yeah. before someone can say, yo, you're not using this, why you have this? Why yeah, and I mean, I look at it very similar to the same way that people buy website domains. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That you get a new artist to pop up, like mm -hmm. a music artist, and suddenly someone buys every version of their name with yeah. ending in com, uk, org, mm. etc. So e-graphene is what? Pharmaceutical and... Veterinary preparations. Veterinary preparations. Sanitary preparations. Scientific nautical surveillance. Again, they, they've gone a lot more um, to do with pharmaceuticals, mm. this company specifically. Surgical, but medical, dental instruments. Placing E in front of it is interesting. and they've, mm. they've, they've kind of made it seem as though it's more to do with like technology-based, but then mm. it's, it's more pharmaceutical-based. Mm. So... I saw some that were like University of Manchester... They, yeah, that would make more yeah. sense because they were the ones who first found it and developed it. But yeah. I mean, you tend to find a lot of a lot of uh, researchers don't automatically jump on the business wagon. So, a lot of who? A lot of the researchers don't automatically jump on the business yeah. wagon. I mean, yeah. if you look at the development of the internet, for example, mm. that he made, uh, Tim Berners Lee made the very specific choices not to register it as a trademark for himself. Graphene mm -hmm. Telecom as a mark, class one. Chemicals used in industry, science and photography, scientific nautical, surveying, surveying. It's all very similar. Again, I think it's it's because of, a lot of this would be because of the superconductivity of what graphene does rather than the physical structure of it. Mm -hmm. So it's very useful within uh, chemical structures for paints or those sorts of things if you want to be able to make sure that it can conduct energy or heat or electricity through the particle. Yeah. <laughs> So it's just a number of different classes. That, yeah. one, that one that we just saw, it's like every class. Yeah, and that's what I'm saying. I think some people do blanket covers just in case they might choose to not do any of them. They might choose to do only one of them. They might choose to do all of them. Mm. So I think they blanket cover a lot of the time just in case. Yeah. I wonder what happens when they don't use it, though. What does that mean? If you have I still think they keep the perspective concept open because they've used some of them. They keep the perspectives of, of the other bits Yeah. so that generally the name still belongs to them and they can still do it. They don't own a patent at this point. This is no. just the trademark of a name. Yeah. So they can't say that they own the product itself, mm. but they can own the name. So as for an example, uh, um, I've just lost the name of it now. <laughs> the, um, hmm. That tablet that men take to get erections. Oh. Um, Viagra. Viagra. Viagra was was a patented name. was wasn't a patented name. It was a trademarked name, but mm. the trademark ran out in the rest of the world, but was still open in America. 
So the rest of the world were able to then sell it under different trademarks. Mm. But the patent of the actual product still mm. belonged to the company that first made it. Really? Yeah. Because so, I thought patents run out after like 20 years, I think it is. But it's, it's trademarks that you can renew. So trademarks, you can renew them. Or maybe it's the other years. way around then. So yeah. Man, yeah, it might be it might be the trademark still ran out, but the patent didn't run out anywhere else where everyone else could make it. That could be what it was. Yeah. Yeah. So everyone now can... So with patents, I think um, you, just, you tell everyone, hey, this is how I made it. But if you want to use my method of making it, in your That's the system trademark. or whatever. Yeah, I think we also need to clear up what's the difference between trademark and copyright. Okay, so Shlomo again. <laughs> we may have gotten our wires crossed between a difference between a patent and a trademark now. These are definitely different. Um, with the Viagra example, it was, in fact, the patent that was expiring from what I'm looking at at the moment, right? So... In this coming segment, we're going to look at what the difference is between a trademark and a copyright, okay? In this episode, we're not going to talk too much about patents. We'll leave that for another day. But listen up, and we're going to clarify some of the differences between a trademark and a copyright. Trademark and copyright. Mm. So trademark, it's kind of like, from what I understand, you take a word, a phrase, an image, or maybe an audio file or something, and say, this unique thing identifies my brand. So basically, if you register with the government, you say, yo, this mark is for me and me alone in this category. So I'm gonna use it in class, I don't know, 25 or in class nine. Um, yeah, let's say 25. 25 is for what, clothing. So you tell everyone that, yo, if you wanna use this name in clothing anywhere in this country, you have to yeah, if I have it as a registered trademark. The rules are a bit different in the US from what I understand because they have like common law marks where as long as you're using the name publicly, yeah. then you have certain rights in your state. Yeah, um, Yeah. to me it's like logos are trademarked, yeah. but the product is copyrighted. Um, if it depends it's, what market you're in. Yeah. So if you're, let's say you write stories. Mm. The stories themselves are copyrighted. The way you write it, the structure of it, the paragraphs, that whole, that's copyright mm. protected after you've released it, published it in that fixed form. Mm. But if it's like a, if it's a trademark, let's say, I don't know, lifestyle blog. Mm. You can call your blog lifestyle blog and that's a trademark that identifies your blog. Whenever someone thinks of lifestyle blog, mm. that's your blog. Does it make sense? Yeah, the trademark, but also the the trademark also works on the style of the writing as well. So like, I think that's copyright. Is that copyright? Yeah. Okay. And that's what I'm just saying. We need to clear this up a little bit because I think mm. there's a relative confusion between trademark yeah, and copyright. Yeah. And... yeah, I've listened to way too many <laughs> podcasts on copyrights and trademarks, but trademark is this is the name of my blog. This is the name of my of my I don't know my brand. That's a trademark, whereas copyright is whether it's the photos that you've taken, the stories that you've written, yeah. anything that can appear in like a fixed form that you've created, yeah. that's a trademark, that's a copyright. Right, so Nike is the trademark, yes. that swoosh is the copyright. It can be a copyright, yeah. Hmm. Yeah. I think it's a trademark as well, though. Probably because both. Because the look of it, yeah, it's yeah. both, I think. Hmm. Yeah, because some brand names, you'll see some brand names will put the C next to it. Yeah. And I used to wonder, really? 
That's what I mean by the, the, the format of the brand name, because the brand name, the name itself is mm -hmm. the trademark, but how the name looks to mm -hmm. is also a copyright structure. Yeah, so it's, I think it's both. All right, so at this point, some of you may be asking, okay, Shlomo, we get it, all right? Graphene is the next thing or whatever it is. IP is important, all right? But why trademarks, right? Why are we looking at graphene and the graphene industry from the perspective of trademarks, right, in the UK? Now, I think, I think this is something that um, average people sort of, you know, can easily overlook, right? People in the industry, they understand right, the value of IP, they understand the value of trademarks, right, big companies especially do, companies like Apple, and I even give the example of, like, Google and, um, you know, the University of Manchester and some of the trademarks that they have, so, um, hope we're not losing you, just, uh, stay tuned. But why is it you were looking at the, the trademarks for it, for the UK to begin with, what, what spurred your interest on it? No, I mean, because... When you think of when you think of intellectual property and you think of like science, scientific mm. fields, the first thing you think about is patents. Mm. These are inventors, these are creators, but the so you look at Google for example, I was looking at all the trademarks they have. Just guess how many trademarks Google has. Hundreds of thousands. <laughs> no, not. Like several hundred. I think several hundred what, yeah? Over four hundred trademarks. Right. So anything from Android to all the different services and products. Okay, fair enough. Those, those are all the trademarks they have, right? So these are, for me, what, what I find interesting, these are, the, these are going to be the names of the products, services that we're going to be seeing in 10, 20 years. Mm. Future research institutes that most people won't really think about. You might be walking by somewhere and see, oh, I saw something here the other day, um, graphene at Manchester, mm. that, that word, that phrase or whatever is, mm, mm. is protected by the University of Manchester. Yeah. So, yeah, it's just interesting to see how these are these are future names of different. Yeah, I mean, I think it also depends on whether the company itself lasts, whether the trade the, the company chooses to go with the product as well, um, and then it's also to do with competition. Mm. I mean, if you if you take for an example Betamax versus VHS from the nineteen eighties into mm -hmm. the nineteen nineties, mm -hmm. VHS outsold Betamax, and Betamax died. Mm. So even though it was a registered trademark, the product was very similar, mm -hmm. and one outsold the other one. Eventually, one dies off. Mm. So you won't see all of these companies being registered trademarks in twenty years' time. You'll only see the ones that have survived the market process, mm. and they, the ones that not necessarily have the best product, but the ones that also tend to be the best at pushing their product. Yeah, 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 for sure, for sure. I mean, the fact that someone loses, like. Someone else wins in terms of a business, whatever battle or whatever. Yeah. They, their product becomes way more popular than another person. I don't think that necessarily means the trademark. No, the trademark will probably still exist. Yes. But and it could be owned by a different entity. Someone yeah, else can come and say. That's oh, why people can buy trademarks exactly. of different people. But I think you that, that doesn't mean that the trademark company will last out all that long. Mm -hmm. I mean, also that depends on the the arrival of other newer technologies. So another good example of that is the movement from CD to mini disc, and then mini disc got blown out the water by MP3s mm. within a year's process. So mm. I guarantee mini disc is still owned as a trademark, but are they going to use it anymore? No. So we're still scrolling through the register of our ten page of results just to see what's coming up, and I noticed something interesting. Oh, refused. Mm. 
And they may have ones refused because they're too similar to someone else's, or yeah. the, their, their list of products are not specific enough, or they're too broad, or something like that. Manchester. This is Manchester, right? Mm. And it was refused for what purpose? I don't think they say why it was refused. What classes were it on? So, class 1, 2, 9, 16, so that's <laughs> graphene oxide, maybe that's why, I don't know. It's if you if you apply for a mark that's mark is graphene mm. and the classes or the terms that you use are also graphene, I think I think that would be where. I think it's the uh, well, the classes are, are the products that this t this trademark can be used in, mm. seemingly. Yeah. And I think the problem the reason why it was probably refused, mm -hmm. though obviously I can't be sure, is that they've probably tried to place this trademark onto products that are. are Again, already either taken up by other people mm -hmm. who just jumped on it before they could, mm -hmm. which is very feasible, or it's just too broad and it doesn't allow for um, market competition. So, so it's used in graphene suspensions, graphene oxide, paints. Yeah, again, they've gone for kind of um, blast overs of whatever they could find that they could use it for. Mm -hmm. They might find the advertising, marketing, promotional services would be the thing that could have gotten them out. And that might be refused as well simply because on a scientific level graphene does not produce its own energy so you can't call it powered by graphene because graphene doesn't power anything. Well, so, are you looking that much detail though? I don't know. Office, you might so. see it as false advertising or something like that. I don't know. It depends on whether people can actually comment on it and say they don't like it. Mm. I don't really know how the, the, the structures of, of trademarking works, whether other people can deny it because of their own yeah. grievances. So if, if someone applies for something, um, I'll call them later on and see what they say, but if someone applies for a mark and let's say you apply for Sean Edge mm. to protect that, mm. and then I go and apply for Sean Edge mm. in the same classes, they'll tell you, they'll call you up and say, yo, someone is trying to do this. Yeah, and that's the point. If, if I've done it first, you won't get it. No. So. But if I've done it first and you try to get my name for a different product stance, you can. then there becomes issues because... No, you, I think you can. I think, well, if the name's trademarked, but if you're trying to use it for a different product, yeah. then there's, there's, there's wiggle room between both of them of who gets that right. Mm -hmm. I think this is where the arguments came between Iceland the shop and Iceland the country. So before we go any further, um, I just gave a quick call to the Intellectual Property Office to find out why certain things get refused, and here's the answer. What are some reasons why you would say that um, a mark would be refused? Um, well, it, if it doesn't meet the requirements, that it, does, it is not distinctive, or it's too generic, or it makes use of, um, uh, say, uh, offensive symbols, languages, um, or it's uh, just uh, uh, you makes use of say objects that are sort of descriptive for the um, the goods and services being offered. Like for example, say a three-dimensional um, image of a, say an egg, for example, and you say provide free-range eggs. So mm -hmm. you know the requirements that uh, if they haven't been met, then uh, they're likely to get refused by uh, an examiner. Mm. So like registering Apple and you're producing apples, you can't do that. You can you can apply for it, but then yes, the examiner will possibly flag that up uh, as being too descriptive. Mm -hmm. Okay, so now that we've cleared that up, uh, we're going to head back to our discussion on Iceland versus Iceland.
as Iceland the country were like, well, you can't stop us from putting our name of our country on products. And Iceland the shop was saying, well, if you're registering your country as a business, then surely we can. It's, that's the argument that was going through. Mm. So, needless to say, Iceland the shop lost that case, but that's not the point. Did they? Yeah, because Iceland the country has existed for a lot longer. <laughs> so they, they were able to stop Iceland the shop from... Well, I, they were able to say, basically, Iceland the shop can't own the trademark right on the name Iceland. Oh, okay, okay, okay. For what they were selling, like... For generally, like, especially because trademark, because Iceland as a shop sells frozen fish. Iceland the country sell frozen fish. So, <laughs> it's... Right. You're going to have issues like that sort of thing. You can't turn around and tell a whole country they can't call it Iceland frozen fish. <laughs> I'm not saying that was the actual thing either, but it's, it's feasible that it could have been something like that. Mm-hmm. The Graphene Corporation. Yeah, again, I think some of these are very kind of broad spread names for the companies too. Mm-hmm. Like I said, it's a little bit like owning domain names on websites. People will just try and put whatever they hand down. Yeah, with that though, I feel like there's more leniency. You can own whatever domain name, no one's going to stop you. But yeah. with a trademark, it's a bit more serious. Like if you just go and get a trademark with no intention of using it, that's not good. Someone can come at you and say, yo, why are you sitting on this and not using it for anything? Mm. You haven't used it in the last five years or ten years. What are you doing? They can go to the intellectual property office and say, yo. They've used, they, they've got it, but they don't use it. These guys are not using it. What's going on? Mm. Can I use it? I think there's a, way, there's a way around that. Maybe. I mean, National Graphene Institute's an interesting one. Because, mm. again, that looks more university-stanced. I bet you that's Manchester. Uh, names and addresses. Yep, yep. Yeah, that makes sense. National Graphene Institute. Nice. Mm. Marketing and promotional services, educational services, research services. You see, it got that for marketing and promotional, but it was rejected on the other one. Powered by Graphene. For marketing promotional. So maybe it's because they already owned one that was to do with Graphene for marketing and promotional, and they're saying you can't own two trademarks when you're doing the same thing. Really? It might be that. Hmm. That would make sense to me if it's the same company, which mm-hmm. is Manchester University, mm-hmm. and they're using two different trademarks for the same process. Mm. They might be like, we'll choose one. Really? You should be able to... I don't know. I'm just saying, given an idea of possible. Mm-hmm. Oh. Home of graphene. Interesting. Home of graphene. See, opposed. That's yeah. what I'm saying. There must be there must be situations where people yeah. can say nah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It definitely is. So, it definitely is where it's like no, that's way too similar to yeah. what we're studio graphene. Studio graphene. What is that? That sounds something to do with art or something like that. Home of graphene. Home of graphene. That sounds like Manchester could be again. anything, but that could be Manchester again. Yeah, studio S- graphene. Studio graphene. Studio graphene limited. List of goods. Software. Advertising, software training, scientific and technology services. Yeah, I think it's probably too much of a, again, too much of a broad spread. People have opposed the idea of it. Was that the one that was um, opposed? Opposed, right, right. I mean, there's all sorts of reasons people oppose stuff. Let's see, home of graphene, yeah. Manchester. Graphene oxide. (laughs) This one registered, yeah. Marketing and promotion, education. Research services. Also, I mean, it seems to me a little bit like, you know, when you put tags on your own artwork or your own um, 
your podcasts and things where you, you tend to put the same tags on everything. So you put your your name, put your your what you're interested in, what it's about. Mm-hmm. I think it seems to me very similarly. Manchester is like, well, this is everything we do. Put that tag on every single one of the t- TMs that we want. Mm-hmm. So it's always going to say education. It's always going to say these aspects of it. Mm-hmm. Also, apparently, when it says protected as opposed to registered, it means it's like an international mark. Okay. So, like EU company or something registering in the UK. Um, Graphene Incorporated. <laughs> Interesting. Anything else jump out to you? Or? I mean, the protected one's an interesting one because again, that ter- that works a little bit with the the um, the patented concept. Because if you patent in your country, mm-hmm. but then your patent might work for varying other countries. Mm. As for an example, Ruzov from the Wu-Tang Clan patented a type of um, DJ mixing program and, and technology he'd created. Really? But then another bigger company, I can't remember which one it was, basically patented their own basic version of the same thing, but mm. did it in a random small country. Oh. But because of that, they were able to then mass produce it on a mass scale, mm. far faster than he was. Yeah. So it's the, I think that's where you get the difference of protected compared to registered. Mm. So at this point in our discussion, we realized that a lot of the results that we were seeing, so on page 8, 9, and 10, were not relevant to graphene anymore. Some fairly obscure things started coming up. Um, But we also realized something else. Um, Different results have, all, all the results have a status. So some will say registered, some will say, I don't know, protected. We noticed one that said dead. See, what does dead mean? Hmm. Dead. Maybe. That's like you say, it's when it's run out. Yeah, because you renew it every 10 years. And if you don't... Then it dies and someone else can use it. And that was Griffon. 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 Oh, filed it in 1977. Okay. So it probably has nothing to do with graphene. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I kind of, I kind of see it very much a bit like s- buying stocks and shares, mm. or uh, putting bets down. Mm. In that, you get people who will take their chances and buy up anything relevant to a specific buzz name mm-hmm. or technology that's coming through. Mm-hmm. On the off chance that if a big company comes up and wants that name, they can buy it off of them. Mm. So you can get rich just off of owning a trademark. Mm. Other companies are literally coming along saying we have a product and we do want to trademark it. Yeah. So they're going to be going in. So I don't think it's necessarily all of it is really companies working with graphene. I think quite a lot of it will probably be people who are just prospectives. A bit like the gold rush in America. They go out there and look around and buy some land just in case there is gold there. Hmm. So it doesn't necessarily mean that they are working with the actual product. You don't think? No, no I doubt all of them are. I think considering well, it's so not that many though, 94 marks, that's not that many. Again, it's not, it's, I mean, UK? we're talking about it now, but I don't think many people are actually that hot on the concept of graphene yet. It's not become the biggest, the biggest material used in the world yet. Mm-hmm. Once it does, then you might start seeing a lot more people jumping onto it. But, mm-hmm. I mean, when fads jump up, people tend to buy trademarks on those things quite a lot. Mm-hmm. All right, so we've come to the final segment um, of this episode 
And basically what we decided to do is to switch it up a little bit to talk about Africa. Now, one of the reasons for this was a map I came across on grapheneinfo.com, or I think it's grapheneinfo.com forward slash companies. And basically what it did was show all the different companies involved in some aspect of graphene. So it could be production, it could be mining, it could be some kind of manufacturing of maybe devices to harness or do something with graphene. It could be also related companies to these graphene and um, graphene sort of core companies as well. So they might not be directly involved in producing or mining it, but um, they are somehow very much necessary. Um, and the map was just not looking, you know, good. <laughs> I mean, probably you know, most people, most of the companies in the industry, in the graphene industry, you know, it's like, you know, it's just, it's just how things are, isn't it? Um, they wouldn't care as much, but for someone like myself, African, it's like, oh man, it's just depressing to look at. Depressing, but not surprising. You know, you look at the state of the world, you look at where power lies, etc., um, and, yeah, it makes sense how things are and how things continue to be. Um, and basically, it was an interactive map, right? It starts off with sort of um, just a bubble in the middle showing, I don't know, maybe a hundred companies, I think, or some number. And then as you zoom into the map, right, just imagine some kind of Google Map type interface. As you zoom in, the the bubbles start to disperse to show you specifically exactly where different companies are so it might say a hundred in in the middle somewhere and then as you zoom in the hundred will split up and maybe 50 of them will go to somewhere in europe um 10 of them will go to asia and then the rest 40 will be somewhere in the americas um and by the time you're super close a lot of them are in europe several are in the americas a few are somewhere in asia right israel etc china india um, Japan, of course, and then you scroll and you look at Africa and it's like, damn, not even one? Yo, that map wasn't showing a single company. I'm like, yo, this is this is not it, man. Um, and the interesting though, thing, though, is, is that there are things happening. There are deals being made, right, distribution deals, companies based in Europe, etc., coming in to say, partner up with other companies to distribute graphene do whatever it is that they do um but in terms of direct relation to the industry none according to that map and i don't know how accurate it is but that's that's according to what what that showed um and what this next segment is going to talk about what we're going to talk about in this next segment is if things were to change what would spur that change what would make it so that um, some company could be able to come in and say, you know what, we're going to do some research and development into graphene. Um, what, what would, what would need to change to make that happen? It's, it's definitely a stretch. Like, <laughs> how do you go from zero to one? I mean, to, to even have those conversations, let alone a hundred to start producing or doing research in it. It's a ridiculous idea. Um, but what we really talk about is what would such a company be doing differently? How would it be set up, structured? Who would the founders be, right? What what the board, um, of directors or whatever it is, and really it's just mostly thinking out loud exercise, right? But I think there's a lot of there's a lot of interesting things happening, and I want to keep this line of thinking going as well. 
right? Not just thinking of graphene in terms of where things are, but really in terms of where things could be in terms of some of the future organizations that could come out of this, especially on the African continent as well. So I hope you enjoy it. And this is an example of trademarks being bought specifically in the United Kingdom. Mm -hmm. And that's how many there are just for the United Kingdom. If this was going to be a situation that could take place in Africa, you've got however many countries in Africa, mm -hmm. which is, I, I can't even think offhand how many countries there are in Africa. And then have each one of those countries have their own 94 trademarks put into each one of those companies, and then obviously they'd have to battle against each other if they wanted to pan-African sales. Mm -hmm. The same would be true for Europe and America. Mm -hmm. So... Hmm. Yeah, I mean, registering a trademark is only like step one of like a 10,000 step journey. Mm. That's like, that's like the, probably the least thing you want to do. Mm. The real work starts with actually bringing that, bringing that thing to market. Absolutely. I also think maybe don't think of it too Western economically. For example, a lot of the North African countries, you mm -hmm. can go into a video shop, say a video shop, like a DVD shop, and mm -hmm. the, from floor to ceiling covered in pirated DVDs mm -hmm. of films, because trademark doesn't exist in those countries. Really? Pretty much. They, they haven't... Well, they don't take it as seriously. Yeah, they, don't, they, they either don't take it as seriously, you're not going to get court cases taken into hold where, company, where like Disney goes in and says, you can't sell my DVDs. Right, right, right. Whereas in this country, and in more kind of... Mm -hmm. economically constrained and legally constrained countries, mm -hmm. they have that process. Yeah. So you could see it as a company in Africa could choose whilst working in its own country or in amongst Africa to mm -hmm. name itself whatever it wants without any fear of much recourse. Mm -hmm. It's until it chooses to go more international with its product that it could have issues. Why would we have issues? Well, because let's say they developed a product that then became big in Africa and they wanted to export it to America. If mm -hmm. they had the same product name mm -hmm. as a trademark in America, they'd mm -hmm. have to change their name. Mm -hmm. A good example of that would be Bulmers and... Um, what are they called? Um, Bulmers is a cider company. Mm -hmm. And there's another cider company in the UK... Uh, and they have the same names but opposite to each other in Ireland and the UK. Hmm. So Balmers in the UK is a different name in Ireland, and the same name that they have in Ireland is a different ne is a different side of in the UK. Hmm. Okay. I can't think of the name of it, but they had to switch because the two companies are in trademarks of those names. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of what I mean. Mm -hmm. hmm. I mean, if you have like proper litigation lawyers, like trademark lawyers and stuff like that before you go ahead with any trademark, you'd probably be looking internationally as well. Mm, mm. Like to say, okay, this is what's happening in the US. Mm. If we want to eventually expand to the US, we want to make sure that, okay, we protect our name here, but we also protect it elsewhere as well. Mm. So, But if it's looking at a pan-African concept as just keeping it within Africa, or mm. if, if the African League just decided offhand that it doesn't matter what name you call it, if it's for the whole of Africa, mm -hmm no one's going to complain whether you call it a different name or have a different name as long as the same product's around. Mm -hmm. That would be an interesting stance to take. It's less of a kind of controlled econ economic stance than more of a developmental stance. So you don't worry about the name elsewhere, mm. just on the continent. Mm. Mm. Yeah. I've been looking at the Trademarks Journal because mm. they publish, like, I think, every week. 
Mm. They publish a new journal of all the marks that have been registered in that week in the UK. And then I've been seeing a lot of like, like Shenzhen, da da da, mm. all these Chinese mm. cities mm. Um, registering different marks. Mm. So I think for any, like to do in Africa, if you want to really tell everyone that, yo, we're serious about this stuff. Mm. Oh yeah, in a, in, a, in a realistically in a world mm. global economy, you have mm. to act on a world global economic stage. Yeah, um, and that's that's the only way you can make any headway nowadays mm. for your country or your, even your civilization without being seen as constantly developing. Mm-hmm. How would you see a company that let's say they wanted to someone decided to set up something in? I don't know, maybe Gambia, mm. and they're like, we wanna, we wanna benefit obviously the people in this region, but we also wanna do more than that. We wanna see people, cause they, let's say it's yeah, mm. it's Pan African, because we also wanna see people that develop stuff elsewhere mm. have that same mentality of oh, if you build your stuff wherever you are, Kigali, wherever. You want to have that mentality of benefiting us as well. So let's say they set up in Gambia and they want to have... Um, do you see that being... How do you see the company setting up itself to, to do that? Does that make sense? Yeah. I mean, the thing is, is, if you're setting up a company with the concept, the respective concept of it needs to benefit the society in which it exists, mm-hmm. first you've got to see, well, what is its product? Is its product going to the population or is its product being sold elsewhere in order to bring economy back into the population? It's sold everywhere in the world. And if it's being sold everywhere in the world, then it can't be registered as like a charity. So it has to no. be it has to be then seen as a company that has um, philanthropic ideal, ideals for the country in which it's in. Mm. But that would be based very much in the kind of the ethos of the company more than the business structure of the company. Well, it would have to be based in the business structure of the company if it was going to be serious. Mm-hmm. But in its workings internationally mm-hmm. and its dealings internationally, I think a lot of other companies wouldn't necessarily take into account this company's needs for its philanthropic endeavors mm-hmm. when they're making their deals. No, they don't care about that. So, and that's the thing. So it could be it could be that they take less, they get they gain less from these other big companies because these other big companies are far more insular concepts. Mm-hmm. They gain less. Could be. It depends on who they choose to work with and mm-hmm. what their product is. Mm-hmm. So if they had a product that was needed enough mm-hmm. and that was only creatable in that area, mm-hmm. then they'd make all the money in the world from it. But would they? Th- it's then on trusting that company to actually give back to the society in which it is. So, and there have been examples of it in the world in the past, in the current, even in the current times, where, like what? For example, there's a there's a, a town in in Yorkshire close to Bradford called. Um, I think it's across the Pontefract. I can't remember where the town is now. But it was a mill. Mm-hmm. And the mill owner built the whole town for his population to live in. Mm-hmm. So all the houses were for the workers to live in and everything else. It was quite a nice little town. Mm-hmm. Um, and that had been replicated throughout the north of England over the, the, the 19th century. Mm-hmm. But then if you look at, for example, how Google works or how Apple works, they're mm-hmm. kind of their... their Working for their cut for their their workers, they build them homes or they build Silicon Valley areas so that they can have schools and all that sort of thing. Mm. So it can work, but it doesn't necessarily mean it's money going to charities. Mm. 
It's a hard one. Yeah. Again, equally, it depends on who owns the company. If it's board of shareholders or mm. board of or trustees or whatever, then you're a lot less likely to see money being spent on the population. Sorry about that. I forgot to put my phone on silent. But that call was actually from someone, a company based in Leeds that does work in conductive inks using graphene. So that's going to be an interesting interview that I'm looking forward to. And I hope you guys are too. Back to our discussion. If you've got a board of trustees or a board of shareholders or something like that, you're a lot less likely to see money being spent on the local population. Whereas if you've got individuals, for example, um, uh, Microsoft's founder, um, Bill, Gates. Bill Gates. Bill Gates and his wife put a lot of money into charity, into taking out diseases, because mm. he is an individual with the foundation and the amount of money behind him to do that, so he mm. can make choices specifically for what he wants. Mm. Whereas when it's groups of people, they tend to probably think far more about the business structure of how they want it to continue on. Mm -hmm. It depends on who's founded it. Right, right, right. Right now, that's a wrap. Um, so, in future episodes, I plan on bringing in um, some pe people that actually work in the graphene industry. So, um, the example I gave earlier about the conductive inks guy, people like that. I really want to reach out into the industry just to get a feel for what's going on, how people are partnering up, what kinds of, you know, um, products are being put out there, how these products are, you know coming together in the world right i also want to really talk about talk to you know people that are directly involved in so in in sort of um what is it ip law so ip related to to, to the graphene industry from from the patent side of things so we've talked a bit about trademarks um i really want to get into ip because i think that's really important um so patents coming up shortly and uh, yeah, I look forward to it. I'm also happy to say that this episode marks the official announcement for the Graphene Industry Podcast. Oh yes, oh yes. Um, I'm very excited um, to really, because there's, there's a lot going on in here as well, in our neck of the woods. There's some universities close by, so Manchester is just next door. Um, Huddersfield, I've seen on the website, Huddersfield is doing some stuff with Graphene. Um, they have some research programs that they're funding. Um, Leeds is close by as well. So yeah, it's going to be pretty dope. <laughs>